And if you are here with us right now, there is one person watching us. Welcome to our Twitch live. And if you're listening on a Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday or Saturday, you are doing it wrong. We are live every Monday at 9 p.m. on Twitch. As always, this is the Anglo-Italian pod. I'm Tommy and you can find us on Instagram at Anglo-Italian pod. And you can find us on Twitter at Italian Anglo pod. Tommy, how are you? Feels like we've not talked in a while. I know this weekend Inter weren't playing. We didn't. We didn't really. Uh, we didn't really text about meeting up for the games. I, I apologize. I feel like when Inter are not playing, the interest for football suddenly decreases a little bit. Mate, well, you missed a hell of a game at um, the West London Stadium, the London Stadium, East London Stadium. I don't know what they call it, but you missed a hell of a game. And more fool you. That's what I'll say. Yeah, and do you have any idea why I'm wearing this very jersey today? Is it to try and trigger me? Are you trying to trigger me? No, it's because these are the only Spurs that we support at our pod. Correct, right? Okay, and also because this week we have an interview set with some American friends who are going to be talking to us about the present and the future and maybe a bit of the past of the USMNT, and that episode will be released on Friday. And of course, I'm very excited to have a chat with my good American friends. But how are you, Rory? I'm good. It was a weird weekend. Um, I want to quickly address the elephant in the room. I completely forgot about the FA Cup and that it was happening on our episode on Thursday. I apologize, guys. It was just sour grapes for the fact that we got knocked out, I think. Um, I just can't take loss that well. But yeah, so... Not much Premier League action, but the action there was was pretty interesting. And the FA Cup had a few, through a few surprises. I would say one maybe as a surprise. But it was a good weekend. I'm good. Exam period at school, so pretty busy. But I'm ready to talk football. Did you did you have parents uh, parents week parents evenings already? Um, we're having that next week. At the moment, I'm doing all the exams online. Today was. Eight hours of speaking exams on terrible people's Wi-Fi, which was great fun. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wow. All right. So today's episode, we're going to be together until 10 p.m. Central European time, more or less. Probably a bit more than a bit <laughs> less. But what's the plan for today? We are going to take our Euro review blimp around Europe. We are going to analyze individual games, but more than anything, we're going to give you an overview of how the league is looking at the last international break of the year. It's going to be the final rush very soon. So we kind of want to give you a very clear overview of Europe's top five leagues. And the second part of the show will be dedicated, of course, to the World Cup qualifiers and the international break that we're going through right now. A lot of interesting groups, a lot of interesting games, a lot of interesting names. Rory, very quickly, we will talk about it in depth later. What did you make of England's senior squad? A few surprises. Um, Trent Alexander-Arnold being left out. (gasps) What? Yeah, not called up. And... Patrick Bamford not being called up, which I think we will talk about later, but I think he's unfairly being overlooked, and I'm not sure why. Maybe it's because he's middle class and not many footballers are. I don't know, but he is being left out. 
before we jump on the blimp, I just wanted to remind our viewers and our listeners, you should follow this Instagram page called Seagulls Social. They are Brighton fans, but they I sent you that meme about Jesse from Breaking Bad screaming, why does he keep doing that? How can he keep getting away with it? And it was referring, of course, to Southgate's names called up for the national team. But Rory, it's time for our Euro Review blimp. Where should we head to first? Well, firstly, we have Chris agreeing me with disgrace. TAA not happy with that. So plenty of people are upset that he has not been called up. But first, let's head to España. I feel... I feel like some tapas and some bullfighting. Let's go. You, you need a little. And this little song was dedicated to Al Muñeca Girl, who is my mom. <laughs> She's following Whee! us. Mrs. Adami. Live Mrs. Very. She's she's not. Oh, sorry, sorry. Scusa. To an Adami anymore. It's been quite some time. Awkward. But yeah, she's uh, she she's typing Ole right now and she's following us from Andalusia. One of your favorite regions of Spain, right, Rory? I love Andalusia. It gets a bit too hot for my pasty skin, but I have enjoyed a few summers in Seville and um Malaga, that's still Andalusia, right? I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Good. Anyway, before we show ourselves up even more with our geography knowledge um, or lack thereof, how are things looking in La Liga? I've heard Messi, this Messi guy is still quite good. This Messi guy is still quite good. But first, a look at the picture. Now, somebody explain me how Barcelona are all of a sudden above Real Madrid in the standings. I feel like we've been covering La Liga for quite some time now. And every time I was checking, Real were second, and all of a sudden, Barcelona are. So is there a game in hand that I have forgotten about? I don't know. But today, Monday, the 22nd of March, the league is looking like this. Atletico are first at 66 points. Barcelona are second at 62. So you can be sure that the Colchoneros are feeling Barcelona's breath down their neck. Real Madrid are third, only two points behind Barcelona, and Sevilla are fourth at 55. Europa League territory, we have Real Sociedad, who got battered by Barcelona this weekend at 45 points, and Real Betis, sixth, also at 45 relegation territory, drop zone, basement boys, as Rory loves to call them. We've got last in the standings, Huesca at 21 points, only three wins this season. Deportivo Alaves 19th at 23, and Abar 18th at also 23. But the big headlines from this weekend are number one, Barcelona just steamrolling past Real Sociedad away and winning 6-1. A brace by Messi, a brace by Dest, and the goals from Griezmann and Dembélé. Dembélé, for once, tried the dribbling that he usually tries, aimed for the corner that he usually aims for, and scored. And the other name that I was very happy to see in the score sheet was Serginho Dest with his first goal and his first brace in La Liga. How about that for an American player? 
I was going to say, I, I think that might be his first goal of the season, and it was. But I think a key reason why Barcelona have found themselves suddenly right back in the race is this stat from Messi in 2021. So far, 12 games, 15 goals, 7 assists. This guy has taken the insults personally. He's turning up, and this is a major reason why Barcelona are getting back Back to where they should be. I think he is kind of shepherded in this new era of young players. And I think if there's ever a player for young players to learn from, why not Messi? I think he's a pretty good role model in general on and off the pitch. He takes his job seriously. If you know what I mean, he's not like falling out of nightclubs and he also happens to be the greatest footballer of all time. So I think, yeah, if you're going to learn from anyone, why not him? Obviously we're hoping Atletico can still keep going, but there's a part of me that's quite happy to see Barcelona kind of getting back to very, Interesting. I feel like this is going to come out more and more throughout the episode, but Massimiliano Allegri was a guest on Sky Sports Italia last night. He had a very long chat with the people who usually work there, including Fabio Capello, and at a point they asked him, so you've managed Cristiano Ronaldo. Who do you pick, Cristiano Ronaldo or Messi? And he said, I will not tell you whom is whom, but one is better and the other one is greater. Hmm. Oh, wow. That's very diplomatic, but also quite telling. I like that. I like that. So we will not break down his thought, but I think you all get what better and greater means. But the other game that was really intense was Atletico Madrid Deportivo Alaves 1-0. On the score sheet, of course, Luis Suarez, the old man who couldn't keep up with Barcelona's rhythms anymore, he's still on the score sheet. But at the 85th minute of this game, a very, very controversial penalty was given to Deportivo Alaves against Atletico Madrid. So to me, it was not a foul, but little does it matter. The guy goes to the penalty spot and is facing Jan Oblak. They know that this game is crucial because Barcelona are going to play soon and they could put even increasing pressure on them. And Jan Oblak saves it in spectacular fashion. Now, this penalty was not touching the ground like it was above the the, the turf. And he still managed to get mm-hmm. his hand up high and just smash it to the byline. And that is huge. That could be potentially the save that wins them the Liga. But this is no news. I mean, Oblak, probably up there, best of three goalkeepers in the world. I think he's been ignored for far too long. I'm amazed that nobody's come in and tried to buy him from Atletico. He must be very happy there. But he is, every time I see him playing in the Champions League, he is outstanding. He has that kind of, you know, the vibe that Schmeichel gave, how he was like a handball goalkeeper. Like he wasn't, he came from handball to football and it meant that he was much, his reactions were much better. His flexibility was insane. And I feel like Oblak kind of gives me that kind of feeling, but he's like twice the height of Schmeichel. He seems like his arms and legs are so long. Um, The guy is ridiculous. And yeah, of course, he's one of their best players. He's in like the top three of their team, if you know what I mean. So it's like... Of course, he's going to come up with these big moments, but it's good to see him still coming up with these big moments. And I wish I had the stat in front of me, but his uh, clean sheet percentage at Atletico Madrid is 
just disrespectful. And then, staying in Madrid, Real Madrid make it three wins in a row in all competitions after defeating Elche last week and Atalanta in the Champions League. They also walk past Celta Vigo with a brace by the most disrespected man in human history, Karim Benzema. Karim the Dream scores a brace. And he's just like, you guys keep talking. You guys keep insulting me and thinking whatever you want about me. Guess what? I will keep scoring. And I think that maybe this brace is dedicated also to people like you, Rory. <laughs> if he wants to dedicate the goal to me, go on ahead, Karim. Um, yeah, I don't know. I, I've always known he was good. My, my issue with him was always his off-the-pitch illegal antics. Um, he's obviously <laughs> an incredible player, but I think people are still kind of waking up to it. Like we said last week, including myself, I knew he was good, obviously. You don't play at Real Madrid for however long, 10 years, whatever he's been there, without being half-decent. So, yeah, obviously he's a great player. France could weirdly kind of do with him. So I think, yeah, um, they will look back, like almost like Cantona, how they'll look back and regret that they didn't play Cantona as much. They might look back and regret they didn't play Benzema, but it does help that they won a World Cup anyway, I suppose. <laughs> I don't know if they'll regret that much. Yeah. And then the last game that I wanted to talk about, Real Valladolid, Sevilla, 95th minute goal to draw the game by the goalkeeper. Yes, why not? So, Rory, this was one of three goals scored by goalkeepers this weekend. But you need to reference the keeper's name. His name's Bono. Uh, sorry, I didn't say Bono. We talked, we talked about the buddy last week, I remember. We were talking about the Moroccan players at Sevilla. And he, finally, and he finally found what he was looking for and hit the back of the net. I'm sorry, I had to work in a U2 joke. I apologize. But he got it into the back of the net, and he is one of three goalkeepers who did score this week. The other one was, or the other two, were Varzim in Portugal. Uh, Ricardo Nunez for Varzim. He scores from his own box. One of those classic, just punts it. It takes an unfortunate bounce. The defenders are nowhere. The goalkeeper's stranded, and it rolls into the back of the net. And the other goal was from, I love a Greek name, Papadopoulos for Asteras in the Greek Premier Division as well. So all the goalkeepers getting in on the action this weekend Plenty of goalkeeper goals. You love to see it. This is exactly what you love to see. Yeah, except, except that I hated to to put myself in the shoes or in the gloves of the other goalkeeper. When you see that bounce in front of you and you just see, see it coming over your head, you must be like, oh no, it better not be one of those. And when I, I was watching the... I was watching one of these three. I don't remember which, which one it was, but the bounce in front of the goalkeeper was so high like yeah. the ball must have been going so fast on the way down to bounce that high in front of him. But yeah, one out of three goalkeeper goals. Rory, where do you want to go next? You pick Next, we Brand are going... Germany. Oh, Let's go to Deutschland. I clicked the wrong thing, but we're getting there. Bundesliga, hello. We are in Germany and it is time for... Bundesliga action. And who broke more records this weekend, Tommy? Take a guess. Is that Lewandowski or Haaland? One of the two. It's got to be. It was Lewandowski. He now yeah. has he now has um, 35 goals this season, breaking his personal record, and has over 700 minutes 
to break um, the record from Muller, which is 40. So do you think he'll get five goals in an, in another 700 minutes? I think he'll get another 15 probably and put their bomber bl- and will blow the bomber out of the water. Very good. I like that. was one of our articles. Last yes, it was. It was, yeah. Flashback. Go search Flashback. that out, guys, if you can find the dark corners of the internet. Um, but the amazing thing of this was that Bayern won 4-0 against Stuttgart, and they were down to 10 men. Now, I was watching the uh, the highlights, and what amazed me was the first two goals – Bayern Munich were just passing around them and it looked like Bayern Munich had more players than Stuttgart, right? The way they were passing it, it looked like there was no difference. The Stuttgart players couldn't keep up. It was quite funny. On the same day, on match of the day, they ran the thing of, are Manchester City the best team in the world? And someone, the first comment on Twitter was, Bit of a weird timing to post this, even as Bundesliga, um, Bayern have just battered someone 4 0 with 10 men. Like, I think they might have competition. Bayern look terrifying, genuinely terrifying. Um, there was quotes during the week from some of their fans and from kind of old Bayern legends saying they've had great teams in the past, but this is possibly the most entertaining and the most frightening team that Bayern have ever had. And if you think of their history, that is a hell of a compliment. I think people need to start talking about how good a coach Hansi Flick is <laughs> because he kind of got the job by accident and he's won every trophy he could win so far. And I think most clubs in Europe, maybe it could be another case of like a manager that works well at one club. I don't know. But a lot of clubs should be looking at him for when his cycle at Bayern or when he kind of wants to leave because what a job he has done there and what a squad they've built. It's incredible. He's got plenty of experience. He was the assistant coach when uh, Germany battered Brazil 7-1 during that World Cup. He was the assistant coach, then a very long career as assistant coach at Bayern. And then he was given this job as a caretaker, as you were saying, and he ended up just taking it for the upcoming seasons. And he's already won a Champions League and he's still proving that he's got it in him. It wasn't one, it wasn't like a, a ch- like a chance that he snatched. It feels like there is a mentality behind the system and everything. And well, this yeah. is it. You you can see like the absolute intensity and the pace they play at. That is a it is a system. It is designed. It is kind of manufactured. It is organized. That is exactly what they want. That's exactly what he wants. But the funny thing is, from this game, Lewandowski could have had four. He really should have had four. What and an the idiot, ha- right? Yeah, I know. Just come what on, Robert, wake up, please. Dude. But we have to also mention that his hat trick was a perfect hat trick as well. So his hat trick that took him above Victor Fisher um, and in sight of um, Der Bomber was a perfect hat trick. What a way to do it. What a way to do it. Three beautiful goals. Just, I love Lewandowski I'm so like he is the best striker on the planet at the moment no arguments and do you know who he said was his footballing idol when he was a kid the only one better than him no he said Roberto Baggio at first he said at first growing up I was all about Roberto Baggio and then when I grew a little older and Baggio was kind of you know like being a journeyman around Italy, he was like at that point Thierry Henry. But man, w- what about these two legends to get inspiration from? I think it's awesome. 
Two very different players as well. So I think you can take different things from different players and become just the, what a striker. He's just so deadly. And his first goal was Bayern Munich's first attempt in the game. So Alfonso Davies was sent off around the 12th minute. It was very early in the game. They created their first chance five minutes later, bang, 1-0. Then it was five minutes later, 2-0, 3-0. And it's like, once they get into that, once they get that one goal, it's relentless. You, Stuttgart looks shell-shocked. And I don't know what that extra man was doing apart from like scratching his head. I don't know what was going on. <laughs> but um, so Bayern Munich are four points clear at the top international break. Mm. Rory is the, the 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 no, what did they call it? The what's the name of the trophy in the Bundesliga? I don't remember. Das uh, Trophy. I believe it's Das Trophy. What, yeah, yeah, yeah. Who's gonna win Das Trophy? <laughs> das Trophy. Well. <laughs> Shortly after the international break, we have the top two meeting, RB Leipzig and Bayern Munich. That is coming up soon. I would need to double check. It might be the first round of fixtures back, but I will have to check I'm that. checking right now. Just keep talking. But that game is coming up, so that will be the decider. It's the next round of fixtures. Good work, Tommy. So that is what it all hinges on, right? If Leipzig managed to get a win there, then it's game on. If Bayern Munich win it, it's game over. I think that's it's as simple as that, really. Um, but... Leipzig did get a 1-0 win this weekend. They kind of labored to it against a Bielefeld who were starting to show a bit of fight in their bid to stay in the Bundesliga. Um, Sabitzer got the goal, one of our favorites, Marcel Sabitzer. And he was assisted by um, another great Spanish player, Olmo, who seems to be coming through, Daniel. who has now got eight assists for the season um, and has been really key for them. So I think it was... It should have been much more comfortable for the Red Bulls, but the Bielefeld keeper did very well. The strikers were a bit off form, but they got the three points. Sometimes you just need to labor to the win, and they got it. So they've got no complaints, as opposed to Dortmund, hmm. who absolutely shat the bed. Um, so, as always, within the first five minutes, Holland scores, as he is customary to do. It seems like he starts games before anybody else. Um, and he's, he scores within the first three minutes. It looks like it's going to be business as usual. Okay, Dortmund will get two or three. But then, no, Köln have got different ideas. They get a penalty for a handball that was given by, by VAR. It was, it was a handball, but it was... It was kind of kicked at him, I think, but nowadays it's a handball. So Köln equalize. They then get the second, and the Dortmund defense was all over the place. Thomas Mounier gives the ball away, and all of a sudden it's looking really, really dodgy, heading into the 89th minute, and another Dortmund debutant, Knauf. Knauf, he's 19, came on for his debut to set up Haaland for a 90th-minute equalizer. Haaland was shaking his head as he came off the pitch at half-time. And at full-time, a player asked him for his shirt and he threw it at him. So I don't know if the, the player it. looked really kind of put out. And I'd be upset as well. Like, oh, okay, I've got his shirt, but do I want it now? Like, he just launched it at me. <laughs> like, I absolutely loved all about that for one reason. Really? No, I, I thought, thought it was a bit like... I've talked already about the fact that I think that Ireland is an incredible player, but I'm a little tired of this, like, I don't know, like fun and giggles around the pitch. Dortmund are sitting fifth. They're in Europa League territory. Stop laughing and giggling if you score three goals, but you tie 3-3. Three, three. So for the first time, I, I don't watch a lot of Bundesliga games, but for the first time, I saw Haaland 
getting out of the pitch with the mentality of a person who just wants to win. And after all the poses with Sancho, Jorena, and everybody, they're always having a good time. It feels like they don't really care if the team is losing or winning. Mm. For once, I saw that this teenager also has that drive in him. With Drew 2-2, I had a brace. I'm sorry, man. I'm just going to toss you my shirt. I'm pissed off. I'm going back to the locker room right away. I think See, I... My reflection of it was slightly different to that. I thought he was making quite a public show of blaming his teammates. It was a bit like, what do I have to do to fucking win here? Fair. Like, I've done everything. I'm pissed off with you. Like, and he was like shaking his head. And it was, I thought it was quite a public thing of, um, I didn't really like it. I thought, okay, mate, look, we know you're a great player. And now there's rumors of you leaving. Is this the first thing of him being like, I'm too big for this club? I don't know. I just, something about it didn't sit right with me. I think, look, you can say, yeah, you've scored two goals, but ultimately the team's performance is what matters, right? And you all take responsibility for the team's performance. So I think there was a bit of petulance there, but he is, he is very young. Like he's a teenager. Of course, he's going to, he's going to be petulant at times, but I just something, I think there was no need to throw the shirt at the guy. I just thought it was a bit needless. Um, I, I like your take. I like your take. We usually agree on things. For <laughs> it's yeah, like- yeah, I feel like you know. I'm finally, I'm, <laughs> I'm finally getting brave enough to take you on, Tommy. Um, oh, fuck! After but- <laughs> one year of doing the pod, you've grown some balls, buddy. No, but uh, I, <laughs> elsewhere, no, actually, before we- <laughs> I, I really like you. I really like your take, and it could be that. Yeah. I feel like, yeah, I think maybe he's just been a bit spoiled. But the Steve Cole has just commented the Riola effect. I think you could be onto something there, Stephen. You could be onto something. But before we leave, Das Shores, I don't know. Um, we have to talk about I last week did call that I expected her to Berlin to get something against Leverkusen, and they got something. They battered Leverkusen three nil, three first half goals. And Leverkusen are so bloody inconsistent. They just cannot get a run together for this European They've place. Won but one in five in the last five, only one game. It is crazy. They seem up. to drop points in stupid games. I seem to remember they dropped points against Bielefeld recently. And the bottom teams they tend to struggle against. But for her to Berlin, great performance. The first ever goal for, I'm going to try and say this, Zief Week. For her to Berlin, that was followed by Cunha's first goal in a thousand and forty-nine minutes. He's one of their main strikers, and then that was followed up with a third. And Patrick Schick should have definitely scored. I think Leverkusen on a different day could have gone three-two, three-three. It could have been a bit closer, but her two were just really uh, clinical on the break, and they looked like they could be giving themselves a bit of a lifeline to avoid relegation. They are now just one point ahead of the relegation playoff places, two ahead of the relegation places, but they've now won two of their last three. Maybe things are starting to turn around and the other teams around them are still dropping points. Obviously, Köln drew and, of course, Schalke lost. So, Borussia, Borussia Gladback, Marco Rosa desperately needed a, get, desperately needed a win, up comes Schalke, and they won uh, 3-0 again. But the big news at Mönchengladbach is they're about to get a legend in charge. Chris, are you listening? Xabi Alonso is going to be taking over 
at Mönchengladbach at the end of the season. He is currently managing the Sociedad B team. They are top of their group in the Spanish third division, I think it is. So he's doing a good job there. And he has been announced he will be taking over. Exciting times at Gladbach. Seeing seeing Alonso in a suit on the the sideline. I cannot wait. I'm very curious about Xabi Alonso's German. Do you think it's I'm imagining good? it's quite good. He was there for a while, right? He was at Bayern for ages. So, if there is one thing that I'm impressed about is non-Germans who speak German. Like f- to me, I remember one time I was at the Berlin airport, and there were these two kids just talking to each other, and then one of them calling their mom and telling her something. And I was looking at them like that's so bloody impressive. You can speak German. <laughs> I don't know. It's to that point of complexity as a language. For it me. is a crazy yeah. language. How you can just build words by adding on more any, words it's like, insane mad respect to any foreigner who speaks it and mad respect to Xavi Alonso who definitely has got some German in him to take this job but Rory one last thing I just wanted to remind our listeners that Schalke have lost 18 games drawn seven and won one Wow. Yeah, it's brutal. I was watching I was watching the highlights. It always feels like they're fighting the Alamo. It always feels like they're just being swamped. Like people are just running at them and everyone's just falling over and kicking balls and just going mad. It just feels like so panicked. Their goalkeeper actually had a pretty good game. Made a few saves, but then the last goal makes a save and minds just to throw it into his own net. And you're just like, oh, for God's sake, Schalke. Like, can you not? do anything right and now it seems like the rumors of Ranić are falling apart so any kind of optimism that was starting to get around the club is slowly fading away I'm I'm so sorry Schalke I really do wish there was something better to talk about for you but if you sign Mustafi and Kolasinac yeah that's what you fucking get like come on you need to be doing better than this hey tell me what are you afraid of what is your biggest fear my biggest fear being Schalke's goalkeeper imagine how you take the pitch every single week just how many how many saves can I make (laughs) let's see if I can beat a PB Uh, this week I I was just looking at how many goals they got scored against in their last four games (laughs) and it's 13 goals in four games 17 goals against in five imagine being that goalkeeper always He's got the ball from the back of your net. PTSD. And Chris, you're right. Every weekend on my accumulator, there is Schalke loss. Every single weekend. Just boost those odds a little bit, a little <laughs> tiny bit. Yeah, so, great, great times for Schalke fans. Should we go to France? Let's go to France. <laughs> Bien sûr, bien sûr, bien sûr, we are in France. Mr. Uri Criscuolo, what do you want to talk about? We are going to be talking about teams at the top letting PSG in. What are you doing, Leo? Leon, you're that giving it away stupid. and you're throwing it all away. Why? I know. So the big game of the weekend was PSG 4, Leon 2. Mbappe getting his 19th and 20th goal of the season, becoming the youngest ever player to reach 100 in Ligue 1 and making it 10 goals in eight games against Lyon. They must be sick of the sight of him. I was sick of the sight of that Paris Saint-Germain kit. It was horrific. Have you seen it? I love it. Man, it felt like it felt like a really bad tie-dye or like a really bad rave from the 90s. I don't know what was going on. It was an awful kit, man. All about that. 
all about the PSG I kid. It. I was actually I watched the highlights mainly because I wanted to look at the kit. No, I jo- I'm joking, but I really I I thought it was cool. What do you guys oh, think? I hate it I so know. much. I really, I've, it was like making my eyes go weird. But anyway, beyond that, we can actually talk about football. Um, Leon just absolutely shat the bed and PSG were all over him. They just look like PSG are really hitting the stride. That Pochettino football is starting to come out. They're kind of hitting form at the right time of season as the Champions League's ramping up, etc. I think it could be... I think PSG are gonna are gonna just see this out now. I think Lille and Leon are starting to panic. Lille, especially this weekend, absolutely stacked it as they lost at home to Nîmes, who are currently nineteenth, I believe. Although they may have gone up now, they're now eighteenth, so they're in the relegation playoff zone. Um, but for Lille to lose at home in that game was. A big, big surprise. That was the game that ruined my accumulator. So thank you, Lille. Um, but the goals from Neem were really nicely worked. Goals both on the break. The first one, Kone, was a really quick break, but he absolutely smashes it into the top corner. And then for the, the second goal, it's just a really nice, beautiful passing move. So Neem, for a team that was struggling, were confident enough to try and play a bit of football. They could obviously sense that Lille were not quite feeling it. Um and they will be kicking themselves because now that has put PSG level on points with them, but a massive 15 goals ahead on goal difference. But and guess, what? guess what's the first game once we'll be back from the international break? You took you the know, words right out of my mouth. We have Bayern Munich and Red Bull, and we have PSG against Lille. PSG are going to come running at that, you know. And that, again, is the kind of decider, I think. If PSG win that, then you're not going to stop them from there. If Lille manage to get something, then it's game on. I think if PSG win that, they're just going to they'll the, really hit their stride. The result um, that we impartial fans want is Lille and PSG to draw, so they go even at 64, and Lyon to win, so they go at 63 points, and then we have once again a race on. But yeah, I think it was very despicable to see that Lille lost that game just right before the international break. To me, the international break has a huge significance in terms of momentum. You kind of like break that momentum. Mm. It's like Allegri was saying last night on television at Sky Sports, I watched the full interview, and there was this very famous game that Juventus were playing away at Carpi, and it was right before the, the Christmas break. It was the last day, the last game before Christmas break. And at a point, uh, Lick Steiner lost the ball in front of the box. A Carpi player got it, crossbar right away, and he hit the crossbar. And Allegri, he became a meme instantly. He removed like his jacket and his tie, and he started screaming like, I told you, I told you, don't do it. And yesterday was like, man, that game... Besides the fact that it's it's risking ruining my holidays with my family, <laughs> then it breaks the momentum. Like, if I lose a game before a two-week break, when mm. I come back, I will need answers right away. And I don't want answers the first game that I play after the, the, the break, you know? So this is kind of like the, the thing whenever there is an international break or a winter break, you don't want to lose the momentum right before. And that's exactly what Lille and Leon did. No, exactly. It's just a huge psychological weight, isn't it? That whole two weeks you're sat thinking about why did we lose the game? What did we do wrong? What do we need to do better? And it's just, I imagine it's just in your head constantly. But 
They did stuff it up. But coming up on the horizon is Monaco. They are now only one point off the top three and four off the top after they beat struggling Saint-Étienne 4-0 at home. You have to search out Chouameni. His performance was unbelievable. His goal, it was um, the pace of the ball was measured at over 100 kilometers an hour. It's a beautiful goal. Then it's followed up by a goal from another youngster called Jop, who has an incredible chip over the goalkeeper. And then another youngster comes on and 27 seconds after being on the pitch, scores his first ever goal for the club. Jovetic getting the first. Three starts this year and four goals. So there's life in the old dog yet for Jovetic as he keeps going. But Saint-Étienne, they're still, they've got a bit of a cushion of around four points away from the from the relegation zone. Yeah, four points. But if they don't start picking up form, they are going to be right in it. They've lost three of the last four and won one in that time. So really not great form for Saint-Étienne. But Monaco were able to take advantage. And in the relegation fight, I'm going to quickly go through it. So the big game was Nantes versus Lorient. Nothing really happened, not much of a game. But they drew one all. And the Loriente free kick for Lorient was Janino Penambucano-esque classic knuckleball like oh it was a beautiful free kick but the angle that it hits in the side net as the french would say it is incredible and what a goal um beyond that there was also another goal definitely worth looking out which was in the montpellier game they beat bordeaux 3-2 sambia scores a great free kick and steph mavididi you might remember him from juventus days Scored a goal with a few stepovers, which was definitely worth checking out. Montpellier slowly making a charge for Europe. R- Dijon have now equaled Troyes' worst ever run in Ligue 1 by going 16 games without a win. They lost 1-0 to Reims. And that was France. Oh, and Sampaoli lost his first game in charge of Marseille as they got battered 3-0 by Nice. I watched that game. Marseille looked terrible. Nice looked really, really lively. Tommy, are we ready to go to Italy? Is that I, where we're going? I was, I was just looking at the at the um, at the French standings, and PSG have lost seven games. Yeah, it's crazy. Which yeah. makes them which makes them the team at the top of one of Europe's top five leagues with the most losses this season. Seven. I is quite like a that loss. start. It's quite a lot. Seven is a lot. Usually, if you've lost 10 games a season, you're mid-table. Yeah. Arsenal. Um, so, but, yeah, yeah, it's weird that you could still be top after that. But, you know, yeah. we've said it many times. This is a weird season. It's a weird season. And you know what? When you when you have a lot of... Uh, when you have seven losses, what you don't want is draws. And PSG only have got three. So, that's yeah. what makes up for the losses. Let's exactly. Go it's feast or famine, right? One day I will get there quick enough. Guys, it is my aim in life to be able to do this all within three seconds. There we go. I'm getting closer. We are in Italy. We are in Italy, but now we're in Italy. Tommy, take us through the Serie A weekend. All right. So quoting the now world-famous Ghanaian journalist who reads the results of European football matches, I'm going to read the best one as he read that. Luventus? Oh, 
<laughs> Juventus Benevento 0-1. Let's go, Filippo Inzaghi. There is yeah. one viewer who ran away the moment I was doing that. I bet he's a Juventus fan. But that was insane. So, as you know, Inter Milan didn't play the game against the Swallow because of not one, not two, not three, but five players who tested COVID positive to coronavirus. Now, it's not Inter's decision not to play. It's the local health authority that said, you cannot play this game. So the game was not played. I found it brilliant that Pirlo said before the game, Inter are very lucky. This is a great moment to take a little break. You know, you've got two weeks to recover your players and everything. Definitely they are lucky at this moment in the season, which is absolutely everything that Juventus fans hate about other Italian supporters. They hate when they make up they would say that this is a very inter-type attitude to say, oh, look at Juve, like, oh, they got a break for two weeks. Oh, they don't get to play the game when there is a fucking virus outbreak. So after all this talk, Juventus managed to lose a game at home against Benevento. Ladies and gentlemen, out of six points, Filippo Inzaghi's team got four this season against Juventus, drawing the first one and winning this weekend 1-0. Now, Juventus played the majority of the game. Cristiano Ronaldo really wanted to go, and he wanted it badly. One play, he really, in Italian, we say, sverniciare il palo, which means to remove the paint of the post. <laughs> it was really that close, didn't quite go in. And then Arthur, the man from Barcelona with a terrible horizontal pass in the defense, which I've never played football. But if I know one thing when I play from yeah, the side with I my just... friends, when you're in the defense, pass it forward, don't pass it horizontally. The guy was there. His name is Adolfo. I, I wonder if he'll <laughs> ever play with Mussolini in the same team. But he did score the winner for Benevento at the Juventus Stadium to make Benevento leap from the basement, boys. They are now 16th with 29 points, which is 7 above the drop zone. And it's a huge result also for AC Milan, who are now 4 points clear of Juventus, who, however, have still got that one game in hand. But it's an incredible result all over the place. And I mean, Juventus have now picked up four losses this season. They are having the best, the, the worst season that they've had in the last 10 years. The Pirlo project is not paying out. The Ronaldo cycle, the, the only Ronaldo cycle without a Champions League, might as well be coming to an end. But um, yeah, I don't know. Things are not looking bright for Juventus at all. And uh, that game, they were pushing more. But Benevento had the stamina to keep, to keep staying there, keep attacking. Like the only reason they scored that goal is that they were pushing Juventus's defense. Mm. And in the end, they got it one nil. Everybody go home. A penalty was overturned for Juventus, which is something unheard of. <laughs> it's like everything 
so many beautiful things in 90 minutes of football but (laughs) well we've talked about it with Juve the fact that like I think they thought that they could just stroll to number 10 this year I think they thought we can just put anyone in charge we'll win number 10 and it'll be like an ex-player who's won it it'll be a nice kind of for the Amazon documentary that is coming out guys remember the next all or nothing is about this Juventus season Ah, it's Um, it's this season Oh my god, that's incredible. Yeah, 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 it's incredible. No, they're not um, film the next season. They're filming No, no, it's this season. So they thought that this was going to be the the crowning glory, number 10 Amazon documentary, Pirlo in charge, and it's all just fallen to shit. I cannot wait to watch it. Juventus were just too cocky, which is classic Juventus. I think they just thought they could walk it, and thankfully, they've not been able to. Mate, how many times are we going to watch this documentary? <laughs> how many times are we going to watch it? My mom is saying, what were the odds of Benevento winning in Turin? Good for a great win at the Toto Calcio, which is the old Italian betting system. But um, yeah, the odds were probably very, very high. And uh, AC Milan take the result and they win. They overcome Fiorentina 3-2. Now I was telling before the live show, I was telling Rory, I don't understand why Fiorentina are so low in the standings. I haven't watched many Fiorentina games besides the one versus Juventus, which they won 3-0. The one against Inter, which they lost 4-3, and then we won the other one. But we, we, it was a tough game, and the one against AC Milan. So it feels like when the, the competition is intense, they, they play actually better football. And AC Milan just found a beautiful goal in Chalanoglu at the 85th minute to call it a game. But before then, it was actually... It was actually scary as a Nice Milan supporter because it felt like, you know, Fiorentina were dominating. Not dominating, mm. but they were playing good football. And with a loss there, you know, Inter would be six points. I mean, nine points ahead with a game in hand. And you don't want that. So Inter, if they win the game in hand against Asuolo, they will still be nine points above AC Milan, which I find kind of hilarious. They started talking about the Scudetto again after saying... For two full weeks. No, no, no. That was never our objective. Our objective was the Champions League qualification. But um, uh, no, in the end, they're talking about Scudetto. And I think still, you're sitting six points below the table leaders. I would just focus on winning games. Day in and weekend in and weekend out. Steve Cole is saying Fiorentina have the worst defense in the league. I agree with you. The first, yeah, that is probably the the, the problem. The defense, like when you're playing against Ibrahimovic, you cannot try to play the good old offside with Ibrahimovic. The guy is experienced. And you see at a point, Martinez Quarta, he takes a a few steps backwards, looks right to his left. Ibrahimovic is there. Of course, makes one more step. Ibrahimovic is gone five (laughs) steps beyond him. The ball comes in and he calls right away for an offside. But no, buddy, you were keeping him like your teammates were keeping him onside. So, yeah, I think that the defense is definitely Fiorentina's problems. Problem. And the fact that Dragovsky is now injured is definitely a problem for both Fiorentina and for me. In Fanta Calcio, guys, I decided to spend all my money on one goalkeeper and just, it doesn't matter. He'll be fine. The other keeper can just be a sub who never plays. Well, now Dragovsky is injured and I'm in big trouble because I only have, I think it's Benevento's second goalkeeper. I'm not even sure who it is. I am screwed. Dragovsky is going to turn into a personal vendetta at some point. If you cannot keep a clean sheet or fit, 
you are making my life hell. But yeah. Steve has made a very good point. At least he can't concede anymore now. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> he's getting the zero points at every match day that we play. <laughs> but um, uh, other interesting results. I mean, I, I called all these games before in our preview. Crotone-Bologna was a good one. Crotone were winning 2-0, and eventually they lost 3-2. Check out the goal by Schuten at the 70th minute. Woo! Like just a paintbrush on on the top corner, beautiful, and it really sucks for them because also Parma lost as they wait. I'm double checking. No, Parma. Who did they? Play? Well, this is where the hopeless wanderer pod have come in and argued with Steve about Fiorentina being the worst defense by saying Parma do try their best to be the worst. Yeah, um, they are looking in real trouble. Parma did lose against Genoa. They were winning 1-0 thanks to that Graziano Pelé bicycle kick. Like Southampton rewind. It's like a special move. You know how you get like special moves on Tekken? That's like his special move is the bicycle kick. Exactly. (laughs) But then they ended up losing 2-1. And that really sucks for Crotone, who were up 2-0. And that would have been huge for them Mm. in the in the relegation zone, you know, going almost at even points with Parma, but then Bologna did come back. Spezia in the relegation zone, they also managed to win against the Cagliari 2-1, another basket case of a club. Um, they've won, well, actually, the, the last five games, they've won two out of five, which is pretty good considering how their season has been going so far. Um, Inter and Sassuolo weren't playing. Atalanta, they keep making statements. They want that Champions League spot, and probably they are going to take it. Sampdoria defeat 1-0 Torino thanks to Candreva. 1-0 also for Lazio, waited to Dinese with Marusic scoring the only goal of the game. And then, Rory, why did you pick Roma? Why is that your team? Oh, honestly, I feel like no matter who I pick, they're just going to be a perennial pain in the arse. And Roma are just so annoying. Like, Napoli were really... I love Mertens, and some of the... Like, that header was beautiful. Like, really well worked. But Roma were just so pathetic. Like... Never really tried, did they? It just seemed so... Like, there was no fight there at all. It seemed really casual from Napoli. They were just like kind of loving life as they just rolled them over 2-0. I was expecting much more fight for, a, you know, Il Dalby del Sole. I was kind of hoping for a bit more fight there, but Roma are just, I, I don't know. I, <laughs> it's just really annoying because their squad win. isn't that bad and then they'll play quite well. And then whenever they come up against someone who's above them, they just shit themselves. It's like at this point you have to kind of turn around to the manager and go, can you make a game plan for big teams? Because at the moment, you're not doing it, and it's not working. Like, you can roll over the smaller teams, fine, good. But the difference often is how you do against your direct competitors. And if you can't find a game plan that's going to work this far into the season, then what are you doing? Because your your progress is only going to be so far until you figure out how to be competitive against these big sides. I don't know, it just seems... And Steve Cole has chipped in and stolen the words from my mouth. They are so bad with Alberto. They it's miss him a lot. They miss him a lot. Point, Steve, I didn't write down my notes, but that's actually a point that I want to talk about. Veretout, 
I don't know if you support Virtue, if you support Roma, Steve, but if you do, you can already say bye-bye because I don't think he's going to spend one more season there. He's a very, very good player. He's the metronome to their midfield. There are big clubs looking for him and Roma, as they usually do. They're just going to give away their best players. And it's a perennial Mm. cycle at Roma. It's a perennial cycle of building a competitive squad, giving away your best names, and then rebuilding, trying to rebuild the cycle. So in two games versus Napoli this year, they lose 6-0 on aggregate. And I mean, we're not talking about Bayern Munich. We're no, well, they should say exactly. Like Napoli have had not the greatest season. You know, Reno has been kind of holding on to his job with his fingernails, if you know what I mean. There's been a lot of talk of him leaving. And for Roma to be getting battered by them over two legs says a lot more about Roma than it does about Napoli. I think that is concerning. Roma need to get a proper manager. I don't know what's, I don't know. They need to get a coach there that's going to put in a system. I still don't know what type of football they try to play. So, yeah, not good times at the Stadio Olimpico. But let's, so wait, going into the international break, I just needed to say it once, Inter top of the table, of course, at 65 right. points with one game in hand. Milan are second with 59 points. Juventus are. <laughs> Third with 55 and one game in hand that at this point better not be postponed again. I, I'm feeling the Napoli win already. I can like kind of sense it in the air. Now, Atalanta are currently in the Champions League spot at fourth with 55 points. So on even points with Juventus, who however have got a game in hand. Fifth in Europa League territory and sixth, we've got Napoli at 53, Roma at 50 and Lazio at 49, but also a game in hand. So it feels like there's going to be a bit of a capital fight Mm. for that last European spot. Without no further ado, let's go to you. Let's go to the great shores of great... Oh, so close. I just had the banner to do. Okay, we are in... Oh, no, I got it. Wait, it's the background. Okay, so we are back in the Premier League, and there was not much happening in the Premier League, but what did happen was pretty pretty ruddy exciting. Um, we It all started off with Leeds winning 2-1 away to Fulham with goals from arguably Leeds' standout players this year, Bamford and Rafinha. I saw Rafinha on Twitter touted as a future the streets will never forget player, which I did like. Um, He is great fun to watch. His dribbling is unbelievable. He loves like knocking the ball over the defender's head. He has been a great signing for them. Very exciting player. Patrick Bamford. Let's talk about him. He is the top scoring Englishman in the Premier League this year with 14 goals. And he still cannot get called up to the England squad. He's 27. Now, I was looking. I was like, oh, well, maybe he's picked Ollie Watkins because he's a lot younger, you know, a bit more of a prospect. But Ollie Watkins is 25, right? So I was like, There's not, it's not like Watkins is a 19-year-old, 20-year-old that you're trying to bleed into the team. This guy is arguably about to hit his peak as Bamford is arguably at his peak, right? So I'm not sure why Bamford didn't get picked. Maybe it's because he plays a very specific system with Bielsa. And Southgate thinks that in the system that England have, maybe Bamford wouldn't be able to, wouldn't really fit in. But I can't see it. I think there's no real excuse for Bamford not at least being given a chance. He's had a, he's had a, like a career kind of, 
in the championship, in the Premier League, in the championship, people always thought he wasn't good enough for the Premier League. In the last few times, he actually, when he was at Palace, he was pretty bad. Like he never really hit it in the Premier League, but now he has. Where is his call up, Gareth? Where is his call up? Yes, hopeless wanderer. Some people still do not rate him and didn't before this season. I think he's got to be given a chance. There have been much worse strikers who've been given one cap by for England than Patrick Bamford. And I think why not just give him a shot? The fact that he does quite a specific job for Leeds means that he can, I think he does a different job to any of the other strikers that England have. So Patrick, if we're starting the Mattia Destro for Euro 2021 campaign, I'm going to start the Patrick Bamford to get a cap for England campaign. Jay Boothroyd, yes, I was thinking David Nugent as well was also, although 100% goal record in his England game, so you can't knock that. Um, But yeah, there have been some dodgy strikers for England over the years. Then on Saturday, so Leeds beat Fulham 2-1. On Saturday, I have only just calmed down from the West Ham Arsenal game. I was shaking. My heartbeat was through the roof. I wish I had been able to watch this game as a neutral. Because holy shit, what a game. Within 20 minutes or half an hour, West Ham were 3-0 up. Lingard with an absolute bullet. And I said before the game, I was like, Lingard is definitely going to score because he always scored against us when he was at United. Now he's definitely going to score. He didn't only score. He also got an assist. um, And he absolutely bullied us for the first half an hour. That was followed up by a really, really, a quick free kick where Arsenal just completely switched off. Kieran Tierney had his back to the ball. They were too busy arguing with the ref rather than fucking watching the ball. And before you know it, it's 2-0. I'm going to say it, Burnt Leno should do a lot better at his near post there. He has to do a lot better. He kind of sneaks in between him and the near post. You can't be getting beaten on the near post. But anyway, 2-0. Then all of a sudden, it's 3-0. My face is red with anger. I'm starting to lose my shit. I'm rage tweeting about how I hate Arsenal and they can all go away. And then all of a sudden, we start playing football. Um, So it turns out the first whistle for Arsenal was half an hour in. Uh, That's when we started playing the game. And from then, we we played really well. Um, We managed to get one back just before half time. And then you're thinking, okay, we're kind of in this game. The second half, we come out flying. We finally get our equaliser in the 85th minute, I think it was. And the thing is, in this game, it was end-to-end. It was non-stop. Arsenal had chances cleared off the line. West Ham hit the post twice, three times maybe. They had an open goal that like Chambers managed to get his foot in the way of it. Like Either team could have won it, but I think both teams deserved something. So it was a really, really entertaining game. There's two players, three players I'm going to call out for Arsenal that I think were absolutely outstanding. They they are Callum Chambers coming into the team after two ACL tears. He is looking unbelievable. His crossing was amazing. His defending in the first half wasn't great, but none of it was. But I think he had a really great performance. Lacazette absolutely ran the game from the front. His build-up play, his winning the ball, his hold-up play is fantastic. And Martin Erdegaard, I pray to God we sign him on a permanent. He is so much fun to watch. He's so silky. I love him. He's like, his close control. He takes it away and just has acres of space. He finds a pass. What a player. And yes, Chris, 
I think Arteta must have thrown some teacups about. I was muttering to myself, he better be calling them for the biggest bunch of wankers that ever walked the earth because there is no excuse for that performance of the first half hour. It was woeful. But not to focus too much on Arsenal, not like me, I know, but... Just one thing, Rory. I read, <clears throat> I believe it was a quote from the Totally Football Show, mm-hmm. a great source of inspiration from us. I wasn't able to listen this week yet, but they were saying that Obama Young has become a moments player. Do you agree with that? He has been, I'm going to put it out, he's been better than Oba this year, right? And there's rumors of him being sold and Oba being kept. And I'm thinking, where's the rationale behind this? Oba's older than him. Lacazette has come up in such key moments for us this year. He's always there with the goal. In big games, he's always, always pops up. I think he genuinely, for his graft alone, you cannot dislike the man. He works so fucking hard. And the way he hits the ball is beautiful. I, I've i always liked Lacazette. I've got him on the back of my away shirt. I fucking love him. I really, really would like him to stay. I'm afraid that Juventus and Roma are both looking at him, so he could potentially go. Hopeless Wanderer on Chambers. Would you play him in midfield where he played before injury? But before his injury, I seem to remember he was in great form and he he got a few assists for us, popped up with a few goals, but he's always been unlucky with injuries. I like him at I like him at right back. I think he lacks the pace a little bit, and we saw that in the first half. He was getting skinned a little bit, but I think in midfield we're kind. Of, I don't know where we'd fit him in in midfield, but I do like him. I'd keep him at right back for now. I think he's a solid backup to. Well, I don't know who our first choice is. Is it Suarez or Bellerin? I don't know. He's a good option, so I would think stay, keep him at right back for now. I really hope it goes well for Chambers because, like I said, he's had a lot of big injuries. It's about time. He's been at the club for ages. I really want to see him do well. But West Ham, great performance, especially the first half. Second half on the break, Declan Rice, oh my God. He went on a run, like coast-to-coast run, where I really thought that was going to hit the back of the net. But David Moyes, I saw some West Ham fans moaning that he went too defensive. But if you looked at the bench, the only options he had were defensive options. So if he wanted to bring on players... It had to be like Noble and the uh, Ryan Fredericks and stuff like that. He didn't really have too many options. I think maybe he did it a bit too early and they just invited pressure on. But what a game, potentially game of the season. I think, I, like I said, I wish I'd been able to watch it as a neutral because for me, it was far too stressful an experience. It was horrific. But the other game yeah, that we need to talk a- about is yeah, yeah. Newcastle. Newcastle are in trouble. Steve Bruce still hasn't been sacked. That performance, they lost 3-0 to Brighton. Brighton, finally, three beautiful goals as well. Trossard, Welbeck, and Mopai. Seeing Welbeck score, always got a lot of time for that. But Newcastle is one of the most pathetic performances I've ever seen from any football team. They offered absolutely nothing. They had half the amount of passes as Brighton in the game. I think they didn't even have 1% of the chances that Brighton had. It could have been so much more comfortable. But Newcastle, I think, not only are they in trouble, I've talked about how I feel sorry for their fans. But I I did a bit of research this week and I looked around and I thought, why are the fans so angry? When Mike Ashley bought them out, they had been they had qualified for the Champions League. They'd finished in the top four seven seasons out of the last 10, right? And they are bought by Mike Ashley. He promises better things. And since, they've just been a yo-yo club, Championship Premier League, Championship Premier League. A lot of pundits in England, a lot of fans in England think that the Newcastle fans are being entitled. I don't think they're being entitled at all. I think they 
are expecting what they were told. Their club has fallen so far in yeah. since literally since the day Ashley has bought them that they deserve better. The city deserves better, and it will be a dying shame if they're back in the championship. The Premier League needs that team in it. I think they are one of the teams we need in the Premier League. But they were pathetic. Steve Bruce needs to go. How they've come out and backed him this week is absolutely beyond me. He like there's no there's no defense for him still being in the job. His team selection is bizarre. He's leaving out players like Matt Ritchie, who's one of the few that actually gives a shit. Um the right back who's their second top scorer, his name escapes me now. Christ, what was his name? He plays for Ireland. Anyway. Jacob Murphy, he gets left on the bench when he's one of the few players that tries to do anything. There's no attacking threat. Joe Linton, Joe Linton, Joel Linton. Me and Chris talked about this. I don't know how to say it. He cannot hit a barn door and he starts every game. Steve Bruce chased Dwight Gale, never plays him. There's a great um, Newcastle fan called in on the radio this week and kind of, I'm just echoing his complaints, but the complaint is really really spot on with exactly what is going wrong at that club. I think Newcastle now are basically doomed for the drop. They have left them after that loss. They are now only two points behind Fulham, uh, ahead of Fulham. They do have a game in hand, but in their current form, that game in hand, you cannot see them winning. I think Fulham have got more about them than Newcastle. I'm sorry, Magpies, but this could be the year that you drop down again. Uh, hopeless Wanderer, feel for Newcastle fans, but unless Ashley gets brought out, Bruce will stay. Exactly. It's the same he did when he had De- Dennis Wise in charge. He, he just employs his friends, people, yes, men, who aren't going to challenge him too much, and that's what he wants. The only thing, the only time he'll ever sell is when the value of the club falls too far and he can't make a profit. It, that's all he cares about. When you name the stadium after your own company, you make it fairly clear what your intentions are, if you know what I mean. Um so, yes, and the last two games for Newcastle this year, their last two games are Sheffield United and then Fulham. Like, it is huge. I hope there's something resting on those games because then it will be more interesting for us to talk about. But if there is anything resting on it, it could be pretty painful for Newcastle fans. That is the Premier League review for the FA Cup. Hopeless Wanderer, I hope it's the United fan who's talking to us because you had a nightmare, an absolute nightmare. We're going to quickly go through it. Iheanacho in unbelievable form. He now has seven goals and an assist in his last four games. He has come from nowhere and, well, come from nowhere. He's always been a fairly decent striker, but it seems like he's really, really hitting his stride. And it seems like Leicester, they always kind of relied a little bit too much on Vardy. And now they might have a viable kind of second backup striker. He was, it was a great performance, but for United, Fred had an absolute disaster class and gave away, led to probably two of the goals. Um, But United just can't defend set pieces. I don't know what they're training on the, like, but... Every time there's someone at the at the back post left unmarked, or there's someone unmarked, and it's just a free header, they cannot defend set pieces. And for me, if I'd have had to see Ole Gunnar Solskjaer smiling in that post-match conference after losing 3-1 and being knocked out the cup, I think I would have put my foot through the television. This is when I don't take Ole seriously. I think, man, 
even if it's just playing to the cameras, just look a bit annoyed. Like, look like you've lost a game because the fans at home aren't smiling, right? They're not like, especially as you're out of the you're out of the title race now, right? As is everyone, the title race is over now. Maybe you're putting all your eggs in the Europa League basket, but I think the FA Cup was still a viable trophy to try and chase and win. So I don't get why he didn't prioritize it more. Heading into an international break to put out a second string team or drop key players just seems like a bizarre decision to me. But United are out. Beyond that, Chelsea beat Sheffield United 2-0. Um, Southampton beat Bournemouth 3-0. And then we had, what was the final one? I can't remember. I'm getting lost because I've been talking for what feels like an hour. Sorry, guys. Um, the last one was uh, Man City rolling over Everton 2-0, 85th minute and 90th minute. Just their squad depth is just not fair. Everton looked knackered and they brought on De Bruyne. It's just, of course, you're going to win. Um, thank you. Yes, exactly. The one I'm forgetting is City Everton. So now the semifinals are Leicester against Southampton. I believe and Man City Chelsea so I am hoping for Leicester Man City final Leicester win it I think in a one-off game Leicester can beat anyone Leicester also beat City 5-2 at the Etihad in the beginning of the season so I'm going to say Leicester dark horse to win the cup let's get Brendy that trophy I want to see Brendy lifting a trophy with Leicester it'd be great Anyway, that's my recap done. Oh my God, I need some water. Right. Yeah, I've been. So, Chris, I read your comment earlier that I was drinking one beer and you gave me shit for it. One beer. I've been drinking so much water. One bottle is already empty. Look, I have another one going. I'm keeping keeping myself hydrated. This definitely doesn't sound like you've got a problem, Tommy. (laughs) Definitely doesn't have a problem. I think think the lady doth protest too much. Right. Where are we going to now, Tommy? Is it time for the game? Sorry, you know that I love the movie Airplane, There is the Great Line. That was the beginning of my drinking problem, and the guy can't literally drink anymore yeah. and pours water on himself. <laughs> but um, no, the last thing that I wanted to say before we quickly go through the national international break, um, I know we told this, uh, but we've never followed through with it. Guys, we have jobs too. We've got other things to figure out. We, these kind of slipped through our mind. We said that we were going to bring in a player focus in 2021. Oh, now, yeah. I don't know about we, that. <laughs> yeah, me too. Yeah. But I just wanted to quickly give a shout to Junior Messias. The only thing wrong about this guy is that his name is not Jesus because Jesus Messias would be dope. Now, he's played 27 games in Serie A this season. Seven goals, 204 dribbles attended, attempt, attempted, 122 winning dribbles. Oh. The guy is a machine. And apparently, I will try to do some research about the guy and talk to him, uh, talk about him on, on the Friday's pod. But the guy apparently came from a very, very poor favela of Belo Horizonte mm. in Brazil. He learned to play football on the streets. And the other day, this was absolutely beautiful. In the game against Bologna, after a scramble with a player in the box, his his T-shirt ripped. And you see so many players like taking it off and asking for a new one. You see the guy kind of tells the ref to stop for a second. And he makes a ribbon with the with the sides on the sides of the hole. He just made a ribbon. And the ref <laughs> looks at him and he's just like, you sure you want to keep going? And he looks at him like, you think I can't play football because I like I have a hole in my shirt? 
And I was like, that is brilliant. Like, we need more of that attitude in football. But like what that. we have next is the international break. Now, we are well past 10. So, Rory, I was thinking, I'll just break down some of the games that we have before Friday. We can talk about the Italian national team, the English national team, and on Friday, we will just go full on international break. So, as you all probably already know, this international break is for World Cup 2022 qualifiers. Every national team should be playing three games during this international break. And every country is in a group with other countries from their continent. So let's take a look at some European groups. So Ireland, for example, are in the same group as Azerbaijan, Luxembourg, Serbia, and Portugal. We've got Spain in the same group as Sweden, Kosovo, Greece, and Georgia. We've got uh, Italy in the same group as Bulgaria, Lithuania, Northern Ireland, and Switzerland, who are also going to be in our group this summer at the Euro 2021 Championship. We've got France in the same group as Ukraine, which think I don't know, they're always in the same group. Yeah. Kazakhstan, Kazakhstan, Woo! Kazakhstan, let's go. And Bosnia and the Herzegovina. Then we've got Belgium in the same group as Wales, Estonia, Czech Republic, and Belarus. And then Scotland in the same group as Israel, Moldavia, the Far Ur Islands, Denmark, and Austria, and the Netherlands in a group with Norway. Turkey, wow, this is going to be intense. Montenegro, uh, oh my God, I'm reading Lithuania? the news. Latvia. Yeah, Lithuania, Latvia, sorry, Latvia and Gibraltar. I'm reading the names in Italian. Yeah, no, I, don't, it's, I always get those two confused. But we need to mention the England group. England do have Andoria, uh, Andoria I'm getting confused now, Andorra, Albania, Hungary, Poland, and San Marino. Starting off with San Marino, nice easy start there. Nice. And the last European group is Germany, Armenia, Iceland, Liechtenstein, Northern Macedonia. They changed their name yet again. And Romania. And the last one is Croatia, Cyprus, Malta, Russia, Slovakia, and Slovenia. Now, in South America, things are different. There are only 10 countries and they're all, all in the same group, which makes it... Oh, South American qualifying is mental. It takes ages. You know the countries. You know who's near the top. But because you quickly mentioned Romania, coming up on a future episode, we have a Romanian football expert who we will be interviewing with a view towards the World Cup qualifying campaign. Keep an eye out for that. That should be out in the next few weeks, hopefully. Yeah, the games in Europe are starting on Wednesday. We've got already Turkey, Netherlands, Belgium, Wales, uh, France, Ukraine, uh, Portugal, Azerbaijan, Serbia, Ireland, Slovenia, Croatia. And then on Thursday, and we will be talking about these games uh, on the Friday pod, we've got Italy, I believe... Italy taking on Northern Ireland as we will be recording Scotland against Austria, Romania against Northern Macedonia, and then Sweden and much, much more. We will be talking about all this on Friday's pod, which will be dedicated to international football and to the future of the USMNT. 
also, now that they're lined up, we can tell you that for the next three Fridays, we've got always interviews as weekly topics. This week, we're going to have our American friends talking to us about the USMNT. There's going to be our Romanian journalist coming on as well. And also my mom to tell us everything about my grandfather's sensational journalistic career in the and world. hopefully a few embarrassing stories about little tommy when That's he was a baby absolutely so this is it sorry to have kept you a little past the 10 now you can go to bed and make yourself a hot cup of milk so you can dream is that a hot cup of milk that you drink before going to bed i don't know i don't know what do you i I don't know shot of whiskey i don't know what do you have before you go to bed (laughs) whatever you want to have before you go to bed (laughs) guys i don't have anything more to say rory i have very little to say i'm just replying to your mother to your (laughs) mom yeah 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 who says she has a lot of embarrassing stories but so guys this was it with our monday euro review we will talk to you again on friday Stay tuned and inter- and enjoy some good old international football. Bye everybody. Bye.